It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Drilled to center field and deep. Back on it is Eaton. To the track. To the wall. It's gone. Evan Longoria with a two-run home run to straightaway center. And he gives the Rays a 6-4 lead here in the ninth. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week, take a look around Major League Baseball, and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. The 2-2 now. Check swing on the slider. Strike three. Chris Archer jumps off the mound and bounces his way to the dugout. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Good morning. Welcome to our show. Today on the program, we'll visit with All-Stars Corey Dickerson and Chris Archer. We'll sit down with Dave and Andy, as well as Brian Anderson from Fox Sports Sun to assess the season to date. We'll visit with the Rays' top pick in Brendan McKay, that and much more. We continue on this week in Rays baseball with a starter for this year's All-Star game as the designated hitter, Corey Dickerson. Corey, you've had time to digest that. Can you put into context what this means to you? Um, it's still hard to digest. I, I, I really don't think uh, I fully understand or, like, you know, haven't really taken it all in because, you know, we're trying to win ball games, But ultimately just being selected, knowing that I am an all-star now and that it can never be taken away from you is pretty neat and uh, very, very rewarding. And, uh, you know, it's really, really nice for my family also. Does it mean more because you were voted in by the fans? For sure, 100%. Uh, I think that a lot, people all over noticed what I did and uh, at the spot in the lineup that I was doing it at. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like all the candidates are definitely deserving. And, um, you know, I won and I was very thankful, very blessed that, uh, you know, so many fans voted for me and I uh, want to say thank you. You mentioned the family aspect of this. Who's going to get to go to the All-Star game with you? Um, I know my my parents, uh, of course my wife and son, but uh, mother-in-law, father-in-law, um, mother-in-law, brother-in-law, uh, my brothers, um, my brother's wife. Uh, I got some friends from back home coming. Uh, you know, so it'll be a lot of... Mississippi people support me, and uh, I'm very thankful that they're able to make it out. You know, we look for memories in the All-Star game, and obviously you're going to grab a bunch. I would think having your son with you, I, I see you know, a lot of the players will watch the home run derby with, with their son, with the other players. Is that something you plan on doing? Yeah, for sure. To take him out on the field, uh, let him experience it. Uh, he's getting old enough to where he knows where he is, what he's doing, and, uh, you know, to have pictures and memories that, you know, it's unique to be there in general. You never know if you're ever going to make it back. or like. Uh, so it would be very rewarding to take him out on the field. You speak of, of memories, and I know what a student of the game you are. Are there certain players in the All-Star game that you look forward to talking, hitting with? Oh, yeah. Uh, I thought it was pretty cool that Nelson Cruz was a late 
at all. Well, not Nelson Cruz, sorry, uh, Robinson Cano. Um, I've always liked his swing growing up, uh, still do. And, you know, I'd love to pick his brain and uh, also pick a lot of other players' brains and uh, also get to see former Rockies that I've played with, uh, which would be pretty neat. I would guess, too, that you're going to get a different perspective from players that you see across the way but you never really get to have a conversation with. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it would be – be pretty interesting you know we'll be we'll be busy everybody will be busy but there will be that time we're in the locker room and at practice and really that time will be spent trying to you know walk around get to know each other uh, you know it's pretty unique that we all get to share a locker room and uh, the big aspect of it is get to know each other find out what each other you know cap- like what what makes us tick and uh, you know just get to know everybody. What's made you tick this year? I mean, you have obviously made tremendous growth. Well, just my competitive drive continues to grow and still stays there. Um, I've always been very competitive in everything I've done, and I think this year has just continued for the first time to struggle last year. I feel like it just had a little more fire under under it, and uh, I was able to you know, have a good approach, good plan, good routine. And it all fell into place this year and have a great team behind me, great family behind me. So I just try to relax and have fun. Does it mean more to be on a team, though, to do it while with a team that's winning? 100%. I think it's uh, more enjoyable because you're not doing it for yourself. I, I feel like it. a lot of players play for themselves whenever the team is losing because that's the only thing really, you know, you have to take care of your numbers. But this game is a selfish sport, but also when you're winning, you're not worried about your numbers at all. I haven't ever been worried about my numbers this year. Um, even when I went over for a game or two, I know that we're winning. It makes it more fun. And the next day I'm just contributing, and it makes it a lot easier to perform. Well, continue to perform. Enjoy the moments in Miami, and we'll see you after the break. Thank you. I really appreciate it. That is Corey Dickerson, and we wish him the best in his first All-Star game. Now, Dickerson was voted in. Chris Archer was a late roster addition. It's his second All-Star opportunity, and it meant a lot to Archer, who starts today. So thankful for um, the process. Um, I'm very, very excited. I love going out there and representing not just the organization, but my family. Um, They put in a lot of hard work to help me achieve my goals. And when things like this happen, I feel like this is my way to repay them. You also have done a lot of campaigning for your teammates throughout the course of the season. Is it gratifying also to be rewarded as well? Yeah. Um, you know, Corey Dickerson's having a special season. I wish I didn't have to campaign so hard um, because his numbers were the best in his position. But it worked out. He got He's starting. I hope that he leads off and I hope that he hits a home run and uh, we have some other guys who have had some very very successful seasons as well Um, but I am I am happy to be able to to share this with Corey what is the best having been there what have you taken away from previous experiences at all-star games what's the best part about it for you number one is seeing the the excitement on my parents face whenever their son is named as an all-star Outside of that, being in the room with the best players in the league, best players in the world, um, not much tops that. I mean, just being being able to um, sit around and, and talk shop with, with these guys that we typically don't get to spend a lot of time with, really looking forward to that. 
Are there certain guys that in the past you gained a really different opinion of after you got to engage with them in a non-you versus our team versus yours? Yeah, in the World Baseball Classic, I uh, was locker mates with Ian Kinsler because they do it numerically. I was number four, and he was number three. So we were beside each other the entire tournament. And from across the way, he looks like he's just a hard-nosed guy that is uh, no-nonsense. But being his teammate, it was so much different. He was... Such a such a nice dude, humble, down to earth. He's 36 years old, but you think he's 26. Uh, reminded me a lot of David DeJesus, one of the better teammates I've ever had. Is there anyone, I don't know how closely you've even looked at the all-star roster, that, you know, guys that you want to make sure to learn a little bit more about that you have? Well, hopefully um, Keichel is far along enough in his rehab that I can watch him play catch or throw a bullpen. Um, Because I feel like if I can implement things that he does with the things that I do, it make me that much better. On top of that, Chris Sale's special. I mean, you know, I strike a lot of people out, and he has 35, 40 more strikeouts than I do. Um, So, obviously, there's something to learn there. Um, So, yeah, I mean, these great pitchers that are going to be there, I'm looking forward to being in the same locker room as them, sharing the field with them, playing catch with them, watching them throw bullpens. And beyond that, the fact that you guys do have multiple means, you know, individuals have been successful, but the team has had a fair amount of success too. How much does that mean to you personally? It means a lot. I've committed myself to this organization. This organization has committed itself to me. So for us to start showing the promise that we have had in the past is special. We haven't had multiple All-Stars in a few years. Well, I guess we did in 15, Boxberger and I. But anytime you get multiple, it's it's a special thing. Um, and the fact that Corey's starting is, is huge for our organization. Having Tampa Bay brand in the starting nine for the American League, that's a, that's a huge, huge accomplishment for the organization. Indeed it is. That is Chris Archer, who again, along with Corey Dickerson, is going to Tuesday's All-Star Game in Miami. Coming up, Brian Anderson of Fox Sports Sun will join us, plus Dave and Andy as we discuss pre-All-Star break play and look forward. That's coming up in a moment. This is the Race Baseball Network. Welcome back to This Week in Rays Baseball. I'm Neil Solons. Today, the final game before the All-Star break. Joining us for a bit of perspective on what's happened to this point. And to look forward, we welcome in Dave and Andy on the radio side, along with Brian Anderson of Fox Sports Sun. Morning, guys. Hey, and Dave just showed up, too, so we got all three of them. If, <laughs> if he ever plugs his cord into his microphone, he'll be... Uh... He'll be good and ready to go. Hey, let's let's start uh, while Dave gets settled in on yesterday's atmosphere. I thought maybe best atmosphere or energy in the building since opening day, if not the best atmosphere this year. Your take? Couldn't agree more. I didn't want to go so far as to say it had an October feel, uh, but it definitely had a playoff stretch run in September feel. Um, there was a buzz throughout, and and the game itself lived up to it. You know, you had a pitcher's duel, guys matching each other pitch for pitch all the way down, and then it culminates in that ninth inning and all of the drama where it looked for sure that Boston, at worst, was going to tie that ball game up, and we may be looking at extra innings, uh, you know, or they take the lead and the race have to go into the bottom of the ninth and then Colome uh, gets it done. Let me ask BA because I can tell you up in the booth, Dave and I were pretty exhausted just calling that game. What's it like to participate in a one nothing game 
whether it be Alex Cobble on the mound or even if you're not in that day, those are exhausting for players, I would think, too. Well, yeah, I mean, because the margin for error is so small. So if you're on the bench, you know, you're living and dying with every pitch. And like I said, it's not quite a, a playoff-type atmosphere, but that's that's the feeling that you have if you're not playing. If you are playing, you understand what's at stake, and you understand if you're out there on the mound and you're Alex Cobb, one mistake could do you in. So you're, uh, it, it's, a, it's amazing how sharp the mind can get, mm-hmm. and you start really locking in one pitch, one spot, one pitch at a time. You don't look big picture because that's when it seems to get away from you, uh, but the, the heightened senses in those types of games are, are, are what really, uh, what I remember. And we've had a couple of those now in the last few days. On the 4th of July in Chicago, we had... Uh white knuckle time there at the end and then uh, obviously yesterday I mean uh, there's something to be said about kind of making your way through those games and winning them those are the types of games that this team wasn't winning at the beginning of the year and now they are starting to figure out ways to win Uh, I mean can you obviously can you learn from him build upon it as a former player I mean is this the stuff that you then go back into your file and say this is how I got out of this mess this is how we won this game yeah these are character building wins these are team galvanizing wins and they are uh, confidence building wins so this team you know they've been a resilient bunch all year that's one thing that we've always remarked upon and I know that in in just us talking this team just doesn't give up they don't give away at bats saw that in the game against Pomerantz where the Rays you know at the end of the day you look at the score and you go well they got handled pretty well but they never gave up in that game they continued to press and continue to get opportunities um, weren't able to cash in of course but they never give up and so it's a resilient group and then you start to win these types of games and what I love about this series so far as you you know you're going to go with Chris Archer and he's going to face David Price today another big one but the Rays were not afraid coming into this series to say this is a big series I think that shows maturity uh, of a team they, they didn't come in with the typical you know this is just another series you know inter- nothing they said no this is a big one this is a big one these guys are leading the way in the division they're starting to run away with things we need to play well and have a and have a great series and thus far they have and so I, I, that's encouraging too so in light of all that how important is today then well, I'm curious about today. It's because just another game now. <laughs> just another game. It's just another game. I mean, Chris, because Chris, Chris Archer's not going to be excited about this. No. One. I mean, <laughs> he'll be dancing, pirouettes, that's well, stuff that's going the up thing. there. Crazy. It's just the thing. I mean, I guess there's some guys that can do that. I may never get totally used to seeing that. I, I do think it's genuine from him, and I, he's like a wound-up tight rubber band that just yeah. seems like it's going to, sna- you know, snap. He may jump up and and touch the dome at some point, and uh, I guess he gets it to work for him, but. I guess I'd be more confident with a guy that looks calm. But, look, if that's the way he is and that's the way he is and he's been like that since the very beginning, I just hope that he doesn't get caught up in the fact of trying to beat David Price. He's got to face that lineup, a pretty sturdy lineup. I hope he's not even – because the other time we saw these two guys get together in Toronto and it was was Archer's 27th birthday, uh, that was not a very good game for either one of those guys. No, and and I think that in years past, uh, and I think this is part of the the maturation process for Chris Archer, I think that he would get caught up in the moment and sometimes it would get the best of him. But I think that there have been some games this year and some situations this year that I've seen where it looks like he's starting to get past that if he's not all the way past that already, where he can stay in the moment and stay with making a – pitch and not get caught up in the peripherals 
And so that's what you hope today. Uh, obviously, we're going to see, you know, early. We'll, we'll, we'll see that very soon if that's the case. But no question, it's a big game. And, you know, you talk about his style. That's not my cup of tea. That's not how I did it. But uh, but that's okay. I mean, everybody's got a different way of, of going about their business. You just hope at the end of the day that he's focused on the right things, which is picking out a pitch, picking up a, a spot, and executing. And if he does that, obviously with his stuff, he's going to be just fine. I kept saying yesterday was the swing game. I guess the swing game in the series. But today, Neil, and you could comment on this too, mm-hmm. this really is the swing game because you either go into the break tying your season high four games over and only three and a half back, or you're back to five and a half and you think, well, yeah. we kind of spun our wheels this weekend. Yeah. No, who, I mean, that's exactly what I was thinking driving in as well yeah. as this series has gone for the Rays so far. Yeah, you lose today and you're like, hmm, two and two. And you nobody's lost four happy games with off that. The schedule. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. A big game indeed, and a guy who can really kind of swing things in the race favor is the guy behind the plate. I mean, Wilson Ramos is a guy who hasn't seen David Price. We've seen what he's done in this series in his first couple weeks with the race. How impressed have the group of you been so far with what he's accomplished? I've been impressed with what I've seen, but I was kind of hoping Kurt Casale would get called up today. uh, (laughs) I was hoping that uh, maybe Kurt would hit a couple of homers. But, now Wilson's been everything as advertised. I mean, uh, you know, we, we heard he could be a difference maker next to the plate. And we heard he can be a difference maker behind it, and he's been both. And uh, I've been also kind of intrigued, too, by the way he's called games. And uh, we've talked about it with uh, Kevin Cash a couple of different times. And, and supposedly, I mean, I don't have all the metrics in front of me, but in his first handful of uh, starts behind the plate, he was calling more inside pitches than uh, any of our previous catchers have been doing, the higher percentage of inside pitches. And I know the Rays are a team that look at a lot of the you know the metrics and the, and the numbers and say, you know, the margin of error is better if you keep the ball away from the hitter as opposed to bringing it in. But I think you've also got to have that kind of sense that, uh, you know, as a hitter, I mean, I never even came close to the big leagues. But, Brian, I mean, you, you batted. You were a former pitcher. Yeah. I, the first thing in your mind has to be, all right, ball, is this ball going to hit me? And it, can, it can't be in the front of your mind, but it's got to be there for a little bit. And I think that's one of the keys today. I wonder if uh, Wilson's going to bring the ball in a little bit because Chris is not a guy that does – pitch inside and so these Red Sox hitters are very very familiar with him and they kind of take that middle part of the plate and then they say well that's my inside corner and then they look to barrel up the balls that are on the outside corner to barrel up the black if you will. This is what sometimes you know being out there having been out there you get frustrated with the analytics and the metrics because you're right and any pitching coach will tell you listen down in a ways where you make your money but you can't live there you can't live there because it won't take very long for another team or or teams around the league to realize this guy only pitches middle of the plate Mm -hmm. away and if you do that you will force yourself to have to be perfect out there to be able to get outs uh, you know consistently and the pitch in while there is more margin for error and nobody's going to deny that that's why you don't live in there either but the pitch in sets up a way it opens up a way so Wilson Ramos understands that and so you've got to have guys that can execute that pitch it's not an easy pitch to execute and if you do miss out over now you leave yourself in harm's way but that's why you work on it you run a ball up and in and then you go down in a way and it looks like you know having been in the batter's box and I got to pitch up and in and then the next fastball down and away gets called a strike and I'm thinking there's no way that ball that far away mm-hmm. can be a strike and you go back and look at it on video and it certainly is but that's where that pitch in is effective and, and you love to hear that about Wilson Ramos. Yeah I mean look the guy's been with us for a couple of weeks he'll be with us all next year too by the end of next year we might be saying that he's the best catcher we've ever had in terms mm-hmm. of the combination of defense and offense and I love 
the song they're playing for him when he comes up to the plate. It creates great atmosphere. It's called Wilson by Fish. Kevin Cash was telling us that uh, the Rocco Baldelli knew that song, and the guys in the dugout are getting all pumped up for it when he comes up to the plate. Then when he hit the home run the other night, they were playing it as he rounded the bases, and everybody's yelling, Wilson, as he rounds the bases. So I, I don't know. To me, he's home run every time up. Listen, yeah, he, he's been he's been fun to watch. Behind the plate, he's getting his timing back at the plate, and you start to think about uh, the addition of him to this team. Obviously, he's been on the team rehabbing. He comes onto the team, and then what the Rays – I love – the Rays front office being proactive. Oh yeah, and and mm-hmm. and that the signing or the sign the trade for Adani Echeverria sent the signal to this team that hey we believe in you guys and we believe this has a chance to be a special year and we're going to go out and get some help right now. Not going to wait to the trade deadline. Will he? Will, will you know? Won't he? We're going to go do something and be, be proactive now to to help this team out. You, you think about those two additions in this. Right here, how they strengthen the defense up the middle. Echeverria is, you know, he's helped with the bat too. And yesterday, talk about going a long way towards winning a game defensively. He put on a show out there. And I know he's out of the lineup today, at least to start with tightness in, in the groin. How much does that hurt Chris Archer, and how much does it help when he is there in terms of a pitcher having that confidence that you know if a ball's hit anywhere on that left side, he's got a chance to get an out? I think, well, and before you take over, I mean, I think, BA, just the fact that hopefully then Archer. At some point, we we'll realize he doesn't have to strike everybody out. I mean, he, he can pitch to contact. I mean, Cobb, what did he strike out? Two, three guys, as it was yesterday? Three guys? And, and look, Archer's a different pitcher. He's going to get more strikeouts. But I love when guys – what's the great Sandy Kofex line? I got good when I, when I went from wanting them to not hit the ball to actually wanting them to hit the ball. And I thought that was that is that is the essence of pitching. You should, he's going to get his strikeouts, and he struck out 380 guys in a year. And Archer should realize too. Sometimes, if you can get soft contact instead of no contact, you can actually stay in the game longer. You know what, Chuck Finley, getting a chance to to pitch with him when I was a rookie, that was one thing he said. He said I smartened up as a pitcher and really started to have more success when I quit trying to strike out every single guy and just said, listen, I'll, let me. I know what you're trying to do. Let me just give you a sinker down in a way, let you ground out to shortstop and move on to the next guy. So so then I can pitch into the seventh and eighth consistently, and then you know, get a handful of complete games every year. And that's, you know, that's what um, really it's, you go a long way towards maturing as a pitcher and, and getting deeper into games. You take the pressure off of uh, the bullpen, and it helps everybody out. Um, but it, it's funny with with Archer's stuff, that fastball on the slider. I, I think sometimes he just can't help himself because yeah. even when he's missed sliders and hung sliders, you see guys swinging and missing underneath them. They, yep. you know, he gets they, away with even some some sliders that he doesn't execute because yeah. overall the stuff is so good. Indeed. We got about a minute, so give me each your take. Most important key in the second half of the race. Bullpen. Uh, you know, it was a year ago at this time. We're sitting up in this broadcast booth, and I think at this particular time we were moaning and groaning about the lack of success behind the plate. The catchers were really kind of struggling, and I think we were saying, you know what, in the off season, the number one pick would have to be let's improve our catching. Well, as the season went along, I switched it and put the bullpen ahead of the catchers uh, because of the importance of the bullpen. But So we've taken care of the catching situation but it would be nice to see if we can get a little more confidence in that bullpen. Uh, I know I still have confidence in Alex Colomay. I think it's been a little bit of a, uh, a bump in the road, maybe a little more than a bump, maybe a pothole, but uh, nonetheless, I, I, I still have confidence in him. I'd love to see us get at least one or two more arms to really be able to shorten games because even going back a couple of days ago, Kevin really didn't have somebody to go to when he would love to have probably get Jacob or Rizzi out in the fifth inning. 
and keep that ball game 5-2. So I'd like to see us thicken up that bullpen a little more, and it probably starts from within, but uh, I think we also have to look from outside to see if we can improve that And I'll, say, I'll add to that, too, just as an alarmist, the, uh, being a neurotic, Corey Dickerson's been struggling here. Logan Morrison is striking out a little bit more, too. Those guys need a bit of a break, I yeah. think, because they have to put together second halves like they did first halves. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. I think the break will help them, and I think that you know going to the All-Star game for Corey Dickerson will energize him. Uh, going back to the one thing, it's the bullpen. Yeah. And if they clean the bullpen up and the, if they figure that out, forget about this team being a playoff team, which I already believe that they are. Uh, they do that. They clean up the bullpen. This team wins the division. I agree. Guys, great stuff. Enjoy the break. Have a great call today. Thanks, Neil. Thank Thanks, you. Neil. That's Brian Anderson of Fox Sports On, along with Dave and Andy. Right now, let's pause for station identification on the Race Baseball Network. This is Tampa Bay Sports Radio. This one's on its way. Thank God. 620 WDAE St. Petersburg and 95.3 FM, home of the Rays. Coming up, you'll hear from the top pick of the Rays this year, learn more about the top international prospect, and visit with a member of the Rays coaching staff who's at today's Futures game. After this on the Rays Baseball Network. Welcome back. Neil Solon's with you on This Week in Rays Baseball. This past week, in fact, on Friday, the Rays top pick in this year's draft, Brendan McKay, was formally introduced to the media. McKay, the fourth pick overall out of Louisville, is looking forward to beginning his pro career. I'm very excited. Um, obviously, getting to, getting to go to Omaha and uh, play there with a lot of guys that I had built a big relationship with and um, gone so gone through so much with and uh, just fought with throughout the year was awesome. And then now to be able to continue that journey and get to play in the, in the Rays organization and start a, a pro career is awesome to um, work towards a long time you know, life goal of, of hopefully making it to the major leagues and uh, getting to play and have a, a substantial career is awesome. What was Omaha like and what is going to be most memorable for you about it? Omaha was awesome and just hectic as well because, um, you know, there's so many people there watching um, and, and wanting autographs or just to, to talk to you. And even I was uh, walking around like fan fest and people were picking me out of the crowd and, and wanting pictures and stuff, which was awesome. But Really, I'm going to take away from that is getting to have a one last ride with the guys. You know, even after you've been drafted and everything, um, getting to go out and have one more go at it with the guys that you've spent all year with, or even three years with, um, taking a crack at winning a national championship and and standing on that field and looking around and seeing twenty some thousand people there is a is a different feel for a lot of people that haven't played in front of crowds like that. Is uh, is the the blonde mohawk? Is it still in place? It's in place as of now. It doesn't look <laughs> that great right now. I got some uh, some brown roots showing through, but it's gonna play for a little bit longer until uh, until it grows out long enough where I can cut it off and not have as much blonde showing as it as it is now. Walk me through the plan for the rest of this year for you on a baseball field. Right now. Um, hopefully get up to, to Hudson Valley by the middle of July, start playing there. Um, you know, we mapped out a plan of uh, how to do both pitching and hitting, and it, it seems like a fairly good plan, you know, playing uh, position every couple days or multiple days a week um, and then throwing obviously one day a week and then all the side stuff you got to do with bullpens and, and everything. We've mapped out a pretty good plan. 
and then um, outside of that, just working, trying to get better, and and hopefully you know gradually move up the ladder and and see where you end up and and where you can start off the next year at. How much do you appreciate how the Rays are taking care of the chance to do both for you and giving you that opportunity, allowing you to grow and mature that way? I love it. Um, it's awesome. I think it can only help the game if if it works out where you can expand a roster from 25 to even 27, maybe 28 guys if you have multiple people on a team that can pitch and hit and it can only help your team in, in late inning situations or days where guys are tired or um, you know they're not feeling their best and you could you could sub in a guy early in a game that could could have a, a big big chance to help your team out. Walk me back because this is a journey that you've had for a while, or a, a dream you've had for a while. When did your passion really begin for baseball? How old were you? I have to say, right around two, three, or four. Um, I can. I've been told this story multiple times where we were going on vacation and I was so upset in the car that we, my family, had stopped at a uh, a Pizza Hut to I think eat lunch or something. And uh, I don't know who was throwing me wiffle balls in the parking lot, but that's that's how they got me to calm down. And um, I think a little bit after that, my sisters got my si- well, my one sister got into to college softball, and my mom would uh, drive out all the time and and watch. And I'd obviously get drugged along because I'm the youngest, and uh, I'd sit there and and watch. And then she played at a small small school in Ohio where there it wasn't a big stadium, so I'd be the, I'd be the little kid chasing after foul balls and. Uh, giving them back to the to the players, so I think it was at that that age where I got to watch my sisters play, and um, they kind of ignited my my love for softball, which eventually obviously turned into baseball as I became more aware and and always started thinking about baseball a little more. So a lot of people would say mom or dad ignited their passion. It was your sisters. Yeah, being so young and uh, they were right in the middle of. Uh, that time where a lot of girls are playing softball, you know, ages like 14 to, to obviously when you graduate high school. Um, so they were going to play in tournaments in North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Florida all the time. And um, I, I'd, I'd have to go because I couldn't stay at home, obviously. I'm so young. And uh, just seeing seeing that the game played, obviously, softball, um, but it just ignited a passion, and being around it for so long, it made me like like the game a little bit more. That is one Brandon McKay. We wish the race top pick lots of success on his road to the majors. Now, after receiving an award this weekend in Miami, McKay will start his career in Hudson Valley. Now, McKay visited the Trop on the deadline day for signing draft picks. With that signing period now complete, I spoke with Director of Scouting Rob Metzler about his overall assessment of the class. Neil, we're we're pleased with the overall result. Uh, you know, it, we're really pleased with the talent we were able to add from from our June twelfth, thirteenth, and fourteenth draft. From top, middle to bottom, we we think we added really intriguing and valuable prospects all throughout that. Uh, some, you know, has been publicly noted. You know, there's some disappointment. We we take all of our top top picks really through eleventh, twelfth, thirteenth, fourteenth round, assuming you know. Assuming it might be the wrong word, hoping to be able to you know make them all part of our our final draft class, and and obviously not being able to sign two of those players is you know is a disappointing result for us, and you know something we we're not going to comment on too much further, but but you know 
ultimately, you know, that that wasn't a positive outcome for us. Drew Rasmussen, again, the top pick that you were unable to sign, but you did sign everyone else in your top 10 rounds, beginning with Brendan McKay. And uh, it, obviously, it appeared that everything went fairly smoothly from the time he was drafted to the time you got him signed, sealed and delivered. Brendan, we couldn't be happier to have Brendan McKay in the organization. He uh, And he was ready to go as soon as the College World Series was over. I was fortunate enough, my first trip ever to the College World Series, Neil, I got to go watch Brendan play out there. He, you know, he threw a great game and he had some, you know, had some great at-bats and great, you know, he, he played very well out there. And then when, unfortunately, the Cardinals didn't play into the championship series, when when they were done, he, he came right down to, to the trap, you know, signed his contract and got on his way. Uh you know, along with you know, heading to LA for a Golden Spikes Award, and he's heading to Miami shortly for for the Dick Hauser Award. So we're thrilled with him uh, winning those awards. Uh, in between, he's been able to work out with our group down in Port Charlotte and stay in shape. And he's you know we can't wait to see him out on the field in Hudson Valley. And he'll do that after the All Star break, um, the Major League All Star break. That is now Taylor Walls, who also was in the uh, College World Series already, has begun playing in Hudson Valley. You got him also in pretty quickly. Yeah, Taylor was ready to go. Taylor had, you know, he he was thrilled to be a key cog in that team that uh, that Florida State took to the College World Series. They were disappointed not to play further, as, as any team other than the final team standing is disappointed. But when when it, you know, as soon as they were done, he was chomping at the bit to get his pro career going, and and he's up in Hudson Valley playing shortstop, hitting leadoff, and and off to a promising start. You um, again signed all of your your top kids, but one. Michael Mercado was probably the top high school prospect that you drafted. Um, what's his status now, and and how excited are you to kind of get him within your system and and learning how to pitch the raceway? I was down in in Port Charlotte last week. Spent some time with Michael. He's settled in well. Uh, settled in well with our pitching instructors there and with his teammates down there. Uh, he's making the progression between bullpens to live VPs to eventually, you know, he should take the mound fairly shortly. Uh, you know, and we're, we're, everything is going well. We're, we're very pleased. You know, the, when you get down to the last couple of days, you know, there's, uh, you know, a lot of uh, maneuvering to try and get guys signed. You did sign a couple of guys late right at the end. Give us an idea as to the kids that you did sign at the end uh, with both Michael Smith, a junior college kid from uh, Texas, center fielder, and also uh, Alex Valverde, who is uh, another junior college kid and a pitcher uh, from the Miami area. We were thrilled to be able to add those two junior college players. Uh, you know, Michael Smith fits in very well with you know what we did on day three. We we added three center field prospects with foot speed and ingredients we think can you know really continue to progress as hitters. Between Carl Chester in the twelfth, Bryce Brown in the fifteenth, and Michael Smith in the eighteenth, we got three guys we think are profile center field prospects. Uh, and Michael as a left-handed hitter with plus foot speed and you know what we think is a good field to hit we're, we're excited about his prospects in the organization Alex Valverde fits in well with you know with the pitching depth we were able to add in this organization starting on day two with Drew Stroutman and Josh Fleming through Hunter Shriver Riley O'Brien Andrew Gist and Phoenix Sanders through other day three prospects but Alex fits in that group where we think he has starting pitching ingredients uh, he's coming off a really good year at Miami-Dade, and, and we're excited to be able to add him uh, right before the deadline. Now, at this point, uh, it's what, full bore? You, you get like a moment to catch your breath, and it's really right into 2018 with all the tournaments and showcases? Uh, by the time this airs, I'll be up in the Cape, you know, starting to work on the next year's group. And, you know, I think we're, you know, to give you the timeline, we're, we're, we're here celebrating Brendan McKay, you know, and, and his signing here on Friday night. And I will, uh, 
I'll be on airplane first thing Saturday morning up to the Cape and, and I couldn't be happier to start working on the 2018 group and, and what is another great opportunity for us in that year. How, I mean, do you really get a chance really to breathe? When is the chance for a scouting department to kind of catch their breath? Is it in the winter? When, when is it? There's a small gap between, it, it gets smaller every year, but there's a small gap between the summer season, which runs through the middle of August with all, you know, East Coast Pro, Area Codes, All-Star events, uh, between that and what would be the fall season that starts with, you know, on campus with the colleges when they get back underway uh, with fall ball on campus. Uh, so they're, you know, maybe late August, early September, we might get a small break. It seems to be shrinking every year. And then after, you know, the colleges, other groups of colleges seem to be playing later and later into November. So December is generally a quiet month as well, but it's, it's, uh, it's, it's become more and more of a year-round calendar, you know, chasing around amateur players. Obviously the goal is, again, to add as much talent as you can into your system. Um, what types of things did you learn, if anything, from this year's draft that you think will help you going forward, and what did you like about what you did most? I think it's a little early to, to have, any, uh, have any wise response to, to, to what we've learned as a whole. You know, I, I think that, again, I think that from – Year one to year two, you know, in, in the leadership position here, I, th- I think just being more and more prepared for the types of situations that might come your way. And I, I think that generally every every time you've been through something like this, it, it helps. And, and certainly you learn more about I'm hopeful that we, you know, as excited as we were to pick Brendan McKay at the top of the draft this year, I'm hopeful that we're not not picking up there again anytime soon. So, you know, in terms of specifics, maybe, maybe we'll catch up sometime in the winter, Neil, and we can, we can go through that more uh, with a little bit more, add a little bit more wisdom to it. Uh, in terms of what I liked about this group, you know, I, I thought that overall our process, we really blended, you know, opinions from out in the field and the passion that our, our scouts had for these players with, with an analytical, you know, base to, to you know, sound decision making. That is Rays Director of Amateur Scouting, Rob Metzler. Overall, the Rays signed 31 of 41 picks by Friday's deadline, including most recently junior college players, Michael Smith and Alex Valverde. Now, today, meanwhile, in Miami is the Futures game, and representing the Rays on the field are shortstop Lucius Fox of Bowling Green, pitcher Brent Honeywell of Durham, and the Bulls manager Jared Sandberg, who will be coaching for the U.S. team. Jared now joins us. Congrats, Jared, and thanks very much for coming on the program. Thanks, Neil. Thanks for having me. Tell me what it means for you to get to go to the Futures game. I know you've been you know, part of a number of All-Star games from a managerial standpoint. Yeah, from a, uh, a resume and from a, a baseball career standpoint, it's a huge highlight. For me and, uh, and my family, I'm um, looking forward to the opportunity to, to coach in the Futures game. I think it was just a timing issue where talking to the MLB people, they, you know, they, they uh, took the people from the Arizona Fall League Futures or the, uh, the Fall Stars game. So it was uh, Ryan Christensen and myself, so two easy names that they were familiar with and uh, obviously a huge honor and, and really excited to be a part of now, you've been with one of the players who will represent the Rays in Brent Honeywell. I know this has been kind of, and we spoke with him, an uneven season to this point. What, what is, you think he's gained so far this year, and how do you think being in the Futures game will benefit him? Well, I think the game of baseball, you need, there's you know, confidence issues all the time. And uh, as inconsistent as young players are, uh, Brent has dealt with a lot of that. Uh, coming to the AAA level, he's been humbled, but he's also had some success. So I think with all the success he's had in his career and and, you know, all the highlights and everything that go with his career as far as being a prospect and um, some of that stuff, I think it's a huge honor and for him to be selected to the Futures game and 
continues to boost his confidence as you know he continues to regain some consistency here at AAA. You know, there have been other um, Rays or members of the Rays organization who've been part of the Futures game. I know they kind of used it as a nice measuring stick, too, to kind of see how our prospects measure up. Do you see it that way, too? Is it kind of nice just to see, okay, let's see some of the other top guys? Yeah, I mean, you look at the roster, both the U.S. and the world rosters are are filled with Know, top prospects and guys with big tools, so it's going to be nice to see our guys and you know Honeywell and Fox lined up against those guys on on the same field. Anytime you can match up prospects like that and put them on the same field, it's a uh, it's a scout's dream, coach's dream, and uh, it gives you the ability to stack up everybody's tools uh, against each other and uh, side by side. So you know, throwing BP to some of these guys and, and in the groups, you get to see some bat speed and hopefully some some big-time homers uh, in BP, and then the game will be uh, a show within itself. And Lucius Fox is the other kid from the race organization who's down in Bowling Green uh, who's representing the Rays. I'm guessing you haven't had a chance to see a whole lot of him. Will it be nice just to kind of see his actions and the way he carries himself? Oh, for sure. I mean, it's a huge stage for him to be put on, uh, you know, coming from low A, and we've had other guys go from low A to the Mm -hmm. futures game, so it's going to be a huge highlight for him, and uh, I'm sure he's going to do just fine. I've had a couple conversations with him in spring training, and you know he's, he's got a smile on his face all the time, so I look forward to seeing his smile on his face in the Futures game. Now, you've had a, a lot of kids in Durham who've had a smile on their faces uh, for a variety of reasons. You guys have had a sensational season so far. Let's touch on the kids who are going to the All-Star game and begin with a guy who I know has a smile on his face uh, almost all the time, Willie Adamas. How has he grown during the course of this year uh, as a shortstop and as a player? Yeah, I mean, I love to see that kid smile. He's uh, a tremendous talent uh, playing, you know, shortstop right in the middle of the diamond. He's at the top of the order for us. And, you know, again, a, a young kid, one of the young kids in the league, uh, having some success here in AAA. And, you know, it, it wasn't easy for him early in the season, but he was able to rebound from, you know, the from being humbled early in the season. And it just showed the, the type of person he is, the type of player, the grinder, the professional that he is. Uh, and he's he's got decent numbers right now, and, and he continues to want to be in the lineup every day, and uh, just a, a joy to be around. And you know, some of the inconsistencies that he's had, whether it's defense or, or at the plate, uh, whatever it may be, uh, I just chalk it up to a young player trying to adjust to a high level. But he's made that adjustment, and uh, this, I'm looking forward to a strong second half from him. Patrick Leonard is a kid who got off to a great start. I'm sure it has to be nice to see him rewarded with an All-Star nod. Yeah, he was extremely excited when I told him, and. Uh, um, you know, he had an incredible first month here in AAA, and it was a huge turnaround for him as to what he did last year in AAA. Um, so, you know, we're all excited for what he's done this year, and um, it's been it hasn't been easy for him the last uh, six weeks or so. But you know, he continues to put up good numbers and, and grind out at bats and play a solid third base. He's even played some right field, so. A uh, huge honor for him to make the AAA All-Star team. You know, the other two kids you had who made the All-Star team maybe aren't as heralded, uh, you know, and as well-known by Rays fans. Mike Marjima, tell me what has made him special and his season special. You know, he came over, you know, in a trade from the White Sox and uh, a converted catcher, still trying to learn the craft. And, you know, he, he works hard every single day. And so I knew that, you know, one of his goals was to make the, the mid-season All-Star team and, he worked hard and, and you know, splitting time with Kirk Casale here and, and uh, just battling every day. He's put the work in, so it's, a, it's a rewarding for Mike to uh, you know, have his name called for the All-Star game. And super proud of him. And you know, he's, he's, um, he's had a pretty good season as well, uh, not only you know, hitting the baseball but also uh, behind the plate. Uh, made huge strides receiving and uh, throwing out nearly you know, 
I think it's over 40%, close to 50% of the base mm. dealers. So he's had a great, great season. And Andrew Kittredge is new to the organization. He came over in a trade in the offseason. How has he acclimated himself, and, and what gives him a chance maybe to even get an opportunity at some point at the next level? Yeah, he's put himself in, in great shape. Uh, really excited for, for Andrew to get, get the call to go back home. You know, he obviously is from Spokane, Washington, went to UW. And, you know, for him to go back to Tacoma where he played just last year uh, is a huge honor for him. He's been a huge workhorse in our bullpen, uh, pitching long relief, pitching some high leverage situations, and he's put up incredible numbers. You know, the sliders come a long way for him, and, um, you know, super excited for him to go back home and pitch in front of uh, not only former teammates and former uh, fans, but also go back and pitch in front of family and friends. And as you guys get set to hit the All-Star break, what has made the overall season uh, for this Durham Club special? You guys have had one of the better records in, in AAA. Yeah, it's been a great season uh, from a win-loss standpoint. we got a good group of guys. They're young. They're eager. They're making mistakes, but they're learning from it. And uh, collectively, pitchers, position players, uh, staff, we've, you know, we've all come together. And uh, it, it's just fun to be around every single day. So it makes it a lot easier to come into the ballpark knowing you're going to work you know, for a long season. But uh, we got a good group, and we all enjoy being around each other. Long bus rides, um, overnight trips, uh, whatever it may be. Uh, just everybody uh, being on the same page has helped a lot. Good stuff, Jared. Enjoy the Futures game, and we'll talk to you after the break. Sounds good, Neil. Thanks for having me. That is Jared Sandberg on today's Futures game in Miami. We wish him a lot of success as well as the Rays representatives on the field in terms of the playing in pitcher Brent Honeywell of Durham and also Lucius Fox of Bowling Green. Now, it was a week ago today that the Rays signed a potentially future star in Wander Samuel Franco at the start of the international signing period. When Director of International Scouting, Carlos Rodriguez, returned from signing Franco in the Dominican Republic, I had a chance to sit down with him and ask Carlos what this signing meant. Uh, the significance, it's massive. He's, uh, we saw him as the, the top player in the class. Um, and for us, especially in our position, we're, um, we're trying to uh, identify and come away with the top talent. It's been challenging the past few years because of obvious reasons, us not having the same purchasing powers perhaps other clubs uh, have had, um, and which is why we've kind of deployed a, a strategy in 2014 to try to go out and really infuse the system with talent. But uh, now that the playing field is a little bit more uh, level, um, our scouts, uh, you know, went out like they always do and tried to identify uh, the top talent possible, and we're uh, fortunate to come away with them. But it's different from, let's say, uh, the the draft in the United States, where you have to you get a player based on where you choose. Here, it's I wouldn't say a free for all, but you almost have to recruit. How hard is that aspect of it? Not only to identify, but then convince the kid, hey, we're the right place for you. Yeah, it's really challenging because there's 29 other clubs going after, um, you know, the, the many of the uh, same players. Um, in this situation, we really identify this guy, um, you know, really early. Uh, it was probably to our benefit that um, the same agent had uh, Jesus Sanchez. Uh, and so there's a relationship there already with the agent. And so um, that really helped us get um, really an opportunity to, to properly evaluate the player and to have access uh, to get the player and uh but there there's some relationship building there's uh there's deploying different people to make sure that you get the evaluation correct and there's trying to find some 
common ground to, to try to get to an agreement. And fortunately, like I said, we, we were able to do that. What in your eyes, beyond the talent and, and of his talents, kind of outline what makes his talent so special and what makes him, as an individual, someone you believe is going to make it? Well, as we've seen, and I've been all over the world and, you know, sitting in the draft, and there's just not that many shortstops or, you know, really capable defenders uh, that can play up the middle at a high level uh, anywhere in the world. And so that was especially appealing to us, especially knowing that, you know, we we like players that have abilities to, uh, to move around, but especially that can play that premium position. But he was just a really well-rounded skill set. He's a switch hitter with really good uh, contact skills and, you know, already hits the ball hard and already has some power, um, has really good field to all fields. Um, and the guy basically grew up on the baseball field. I mean, his it's been well-documented, his family situation with his brothers, his dad, his uncles. So, this you know, this, this kid basically grew up on a baseball field, and we believe he's a baseball player with a lot of – tools does that make him somewhat different and I, I i'm sure the average fan the race fan may compare okay adrian rondon is a kid who's slowly moving through the race system but also was very highly touted and also was a shortstop to begin his career is that where they're kind of different let's say the baseball background in terms of the family that's one of the differences they're different players um, completely i would say um aside from being dominican and being shortstops um but yeah it certainly helps uh, that this this player grew up kind of in that atmosphere, that family. And, and there's, I mean, with, with high investments, there's always expectations and, um, you know, time will tell, but we feel like he's, he's, uh, he's not really, you know, kind of intimidated by the spotlight, um, because of, you know, he's basically grown up, grown up and, and, uh, you know, in the spotlight and, 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 uh, you know, kind of highly touted uh, baseball circles. And so um, that certainly is in his favor. That is Rays Director of International Scouting, Carlos Rodriguez, on the signing of Wander Samuel Franco. And Franco, if you didn't know, at 16 is the nephew of longtime Major League infielder Eric Ibar and was the top international prospect in this year's class. Special thanks to Carlos Rodriguez for coming on the show and all of our guests, including all-star designated hitter Corey Dickerson, as well as all-star starting pitcher Chris Archer. We appreciate Dave and Andy for coming on the program for our roundtable, along with Brian Anderson of Fox Sports Sun. And thanks, too, to Brendan McKay, race top pick Rob Metzler, director of amateur scouting and Durham manager Jared Sandberg, who's at today's Futures game in Miami. Hey, if you're looking to celebrate that upcoming special occasion or put together that next team-building event for work, well, the Rays have a number of options for groups of 20 or more, from exclusive party areas to suites to general seating. Call 888-FAN-RAYS or visit RaysBaseball.com today. Raise up. For my producer, Trey Downing, I'm Neil Solons. Next week, Malik Smith and much more. Stay tuned. The pregame show is next. This is the Rays Baseball Network. Thank you for listening to This Week in Rays Baseball. Driven in the air to center field. Kiermaier going back at the wall, jumps up, and makes the catch. If you missed any of the show, catch it on archive at RaysBaseball.com slash radio. Driven in the air to right field and deep, turning his springer back to the wall. This one is gone. Home run. Brad Miller sends one over the 370 sign at right center field to give the Rays a 1-0 lead. Keep it right here. The Rays pregame show is next. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story and one of the best 
stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. 